Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, hello, everyone. I'm Molly Wood. And I'm Tom Merritt. And welcome to It's a Thing, the weekly podcast supported by you, where we analyze the hottest trends, the happenings, the things that are definitely a thing, have been a thing, might become a thing by our still, after low these many months, not yet patented scientific method of looking around at the world. Thanks. The for FDA us. cannot recommend us as a mood enhancer. Not officially. But holistically, we believe we are. We are we are basically the black elderberry of podcasts right now. Wait, are elderberries say, poisonous? No, dude. Black elderberry is like the new anti. Oh, I, I oh my god! Like my thing is becoming a thing. Becoming black, black elderberry is a thing. I'm, it's I'm a thing. sneaking in a bonus thing. Like as a um, it, it's the new uh, it's the new echinacea. Like oh, you won't get sick if you take black elderberry. I just and I just associate elderberry with the. And no one else does. Trust me. I know this before saying it. But then the play <laughs> Arsenic and Old Lace, which was later turned into a movie starring Harry Grant, they serve elderberry wine to people to poison them. But oh, I guess the elderberry really? isn't the poison in it. They put arsenic in it. So I'm just confused. <laughs> because everybody was drinking elderberry wine because yeah. it keeps you healthy. Elderberries are not poisonous. you really needed it. Back I just want to make really... it that clear right now. No, you can definitely, you should definitely go buy that stuff to not get a cold during the winter, which I'm just saying, listen, I get every cold and I've been taking this black elderberry in chewy form for mm-hmm. like months. And so far, that's me knocking. It's we are the non-arsenic elderberry of the internet. Of podcasts, exactly. Of mood lifting <laughs> podcasts. That's our deal. Uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, my first thing that I want to bring up, now that we're in the actual things, uh <laughs> I texted both you and our producer, Rich, immediately upon tasting this because it lifted my mood. It's a draft latte. Uh, is it is it is it alcoholic? No, it's mm-hmm. just coffee. Uh, and you most people <laughs> no. will have. Well, it also has milk in it. Uh, most people will because latte. That means milk. Got, most gotcha. people will have encountered it in can form. I have come to learn, but I first encountered it straight from the tap at the La Colombe coffee shop in Beverly Hills. Which is interesting because it appears, no, no, I lied. I lied. So, but wait, like it's just a, what is the draft part? So it's a latte. Is it right. cold? Is it hot? Tell me more. It's cold. That's, that's one key. Like if you want a hot latte, this isn't it. Uh, but it doesn't have any ice. It, it comes through a tap like a beer. Oh. And gets uh, frothed in the tap. So you don't ever heat it up. The milk is never oh. heated. Comes out cold, frothy, and delicious. It is that the sounds- best frothed milk I've ever had. And it's good coffee. La Colombe makes good, decent coffee. Uh, it was just delightful. And no no ice, no chips, nothing. There's, no, there's you know, it's not an iced coffee. It's just smooth and... Kind of sweet, but not because they added sugar to it. Just kind of 
the milk comes out like the milk. Yeah. 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 Uh, this sounds delicious. Are, did they like invent it? Oh, no. I found an article about it. Draft latte, the latte you have been waiting for at spoonuniversity.com. <laughs> oh, but Lacolom invented it, apparently. Yeah. Like, okay. everybody, I, oh. I was going to guess that because I have not been able to find it anywhere else. The only the only two draft lattes I can find are either at a Lacolom outlet or in like Whole Foods and other grocery stores, you can buy the La Cologne draft latte in a can. And those use the same little capsule that like Guinness uses in their cans to, to add the draft experience, the draft frothiness uh, to, in this case, a latte instead of a beer, but same, same idea. Dude, this sounds amazing. It's and really by the way, good. I had never heard of La Cologne, which also sub thing, because apparently it's carried, it's a brand that's in all these different stores like Target and CVS and Publix and Pick and Save. And all of them have Canadian? draft lattes. No, it's not Canadian. What is it? Well, what? I don't know, but I'm fascinated. Wow. It's I Phil- want to try from it. Philadelphia, La Cologne is. Oh. Not Canada. Obviously. As Very the name would have suggested. <laughs> right. Right. Um, that looks it, good. I, I had a wonderful time. I was waiting for, for my wife uh, to do some stuff, run some errands. And I, I was like, I'm just going to go sit in a coffee shop. And I found this place and I saw the draft latte. And I'm like, hmm, I'll experiment. Draft latte, please. And they go over to a tap. It looks like one of those modern taps with the little tiny black, you know, plastic thing. Mm-hmm. And they just tip, they tip the thing just like you would with a beer and they pour, pull out a latte for you. Yum. Super yum. Let this become an even bigger thing. Because yeah. like the can thing sounds totally fine or whatever. And you get I sort of a Guinness the vibe out of it. Because yeah, like a canned Guinness is good, but it's never as good as straight out of the tap. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Huh. Uh, well, I'm going for a draft of a different variety. Okay. Alcoholic kind. As we as we occasionally like to do on this show, I'm going to talk about about wine. Um, but I think I recently mentioned on the show that I've discovered my new favorite wine is spicy and jammy. And it seems to me that the only way I can ever get that is with a red blend, which led me to look around at all of my wine consumption recently and the store and go, oh, hey. Those are everywhere right now. Red blends uh-huh. are a thing. Like, forget yeah. about, you know, no more Cabernet Sauvignon, no more like just a Pinot Noir. How boring. No more Merlot. Because it used to be that a blend was at least perceived as making up for deficiencies, right? Yeah. Like, oh, they took the lesser things and made a blend and then they weren't so bad. Right. But it I don't was think like that was ever meat. really the thing. It was just a prejudice. And now it doesn't seem to be a problem at all. Exactly. Red blends were like the stew meat of steak. And now it's like, no, it's a great way to get this like yummy flavor that's sort of new, you know, especially it makes sense to me because it, it, people who are into wine probably feel like, oh, I've I've had, you know, I've, I've had it all. I've had a cab that tastes like a cab and a pinot that tastes like a pinot and a merlot that tastes like a merlot. And so then they're creating these like yummy new flavors. That makes sense. And they, it is working. So it seems like they started to become a thing around 2015. So it's been a little while. But as of 2019, red blends are number two on Nielsen's measured U.S. official channel numbers behind behind Cabernet Sauvignon as the most popular choice of red wine. Everybody loves a cab still. Yep. But, it has been a big deal. Eleven percent knocked off Merlot, um, yeah. Malbecs, taking back Pinos, seat. Yeah. Your Zinfandel, your Zinfandel is over. 
And <laughs> red blends along, interestingly, with Moscato and Malbec, which is also totally a thing. I've definitely noticed Malbec becoming more uh, uh, yeah, me too. popular. Double-digit growth year after year, with Pinot Grigio and Pinot Noir demonstrating the next strongest upward trends. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that it, at a certain point, as as wine drinking has widened over the decades, right? It's gone mm-hmm. from being like a, a very, very specialty thing to something that pretty much everybody can do. There's no, there's no more of that like, oh, I, I don't drink wine. I wouldn't know what I'm to order. I'm not a wine right? person. Yeah. 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 I'm not a, you don't have to be a wine person to drink wine. That's, that's been true for a while now. That, that people would be like, well, okay, I, I, I mean, yeah, there's differences between cabs, but a cab's a cab's a cab. There's a, only mm-hmm. a certain dynamic range it can inhabit because it's made from a Cabernet grape. So what else you got, vintners? And yeah. then they, they start figuring out like, well, we could make new flavors by combining elements of, yeah, that totally makes sense. I know. It really does. And I am into it. And it's so it's one of those sort of like sneak things where it just crept up on me because I noticed like I'm just, you know, I'm seeking them out more and I'm buying red blends and I've just, I really like them. And it's a nice way to get this sort of like, it's a nice way to get a, like a substantial wine, like it's flavorful, but mm-hmm. easy to drink and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they're all around me. There are so many. In fact, I even saw a sign at a store recently for the first time that said red blends. And I was like, aha! Do you think that it's probably still true that at the very top end, a blend would never, you know, match a Chateau Lafitte 1954 or, you know, but that in that broad middle where most of us can afford to drink wine. Where everybody is, exactly. it's It's not even an issue. I wonder, yeah. I, I, that would make a lot of sense. Like if like a perfect, pure, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, like is always going to be the platonic ideal of a red wine or whatever. And now they're just like, these are the, these are the wines like that everybody can drink. And what's also interesting too, is that um, people are able to use them as a, you can just build a brand around it. Yeah. In fact, I think actually probably one of the more well-known ones is Menage a Trois. Like, have you seen that, that wine label no oh it's, but it's I, like i get it it's There's more than it's one target <laughs> right exactly more and so two. that was like yeah. very clever and funny i bet if i had to pick a point where this started to take off it was with that menage a trois label because it's it's everywhere like i mean literally i think i was buying it at target and it just was so yeah, drinkable yeah. and so actually there's even a thing in this for- fortune piece i found about it that talks about how like red blends is, are a platform for you to build a lifestyle brand. And uh, I think it probably brings up the bottom end too, right? Like if, if you have a vintage that on its own, it's like, ah, this just really isn't a good year. Maybe if you blend it, mm-hmm. it cancels out some of the bad and, and can make something good. Uh, App Porter points out that most high-end wine is technically a, a blend. Yeah, a lot of times you look fair. at it, he point. says, if you look at a cab, it's usually less than 85% cab. But I, I I get the feeling that this red blend trend is like way less than eighty five percent. We're talking we're we're talking about you can't oh, call yeah. this a cab. You have to call it because it's forty percent, forty percent, fifteen percent, et cetera. I wonder what the rules are. Yeah, for I bet there are rules. Cab if it's less than eighty five, yeah. I'm sure there are. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting. There's one I really like now. Nineteen, what's it called? Nineteen red blend. Nineteen something. Hold on. I'll find it. I blah, think blah, blah, blah. while you're looking. 19 Crimes. Oh, yeah. I know 19 Crimes. They but have an augmented reality like label. Yep. 
You can you can point their app at the label, and the people on the label will talk to you about what? their stories. No way. Yeah, dude. Because it has a picture crimes. of a prisoner on the label, right? Yeah. Yeah. The prisoner will tell you a story. Oh. Like, I was Shanghai in Sydney Harbor in 1892. Except he sounds Australian. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's a multi-layered thing. I love it. You know, I think you're onto a, a bigger trend here. We should keep an eye out. I think blends in general, like beyond wine, are probably going to become a thing. Well, I mean, I've I guess noticed, that would explain that weird, like, flavored whiskey situation. The prejudice Blah. against scotch blends, even though I'm a single malt guy, is is weakening. You you see a lot more high end blends. Oh, blend was the word. I'm like alcohol trends. Hmm. No, that makes total sense. Well, and it is because you know you got to like shake it up. Yeah. It's just like we've all had this thing. Yeah, blended malt is making the scotch whiskey category more accessible and attracting new drinkers. Yep. You are so right. Well, you what did you started this? This is it. Seven this is how trends it to watch in 2019 inside nice. the cask.com. All right. There we go. Oh, yeah, I love it. We're so good at this. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to raise the bar. Uh oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to take an outside challenge for my next thing. Oh. And I think I've discovered a thing within it. Uh Dave the psychologist, Dave Broadbeck. <gasps> on, on his podcast was talking to his wife who's an artist uh who's doing this really cool sounding art around like human organs and the way they're constructed it's amazing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and they mentioned medical coloring books and dave said there you go tom there's your thing medical coloring books <laughs> <laughs> so i found is it the <laughs> open culture uh just february 7th just a couple weeks ago uh, is offering free coloring books from world-class libraries, museums, uh, hundreds of free images. I found a bunch of other uh, coloring books, including Smithsonian offering coloring books. Now, I was looking for medical coloring books, and both of these have them, but I think the actual thing I can pull out of it is that these sort of like really fancy, sometimes based on old art coloring books, are a, a sub-thing. Out there. I totally. think there's, there's a there's a subculture of people who are like into this. Like it's not coloring books for kids. This is like super high end stuff. Yep. Adult. I mean, adult coloring books is definitely a thing. In fact, I have probably gotten them like two years in a row for, you know, rando holiday gifts from my mom or something. There was even one. Actually, I got one this year in my stocking that was like people of Walmart coloring book. Yeah, I was like, Mom, that's so nice. And but so yeah, I think but it's, you're right. It's they like, are like a lot of them are very artistic. It's stepping up its game because uh, February fourth, one hundred museums transform their collections into free coloring pages. Oh my! Their gosh. art collections. Wow, you're yep. This is I think the moment that the adult coloring book like thing became. This could be kind of peak a cla- like a adult coloring thing. book. Yeah, peak adult coloring book. That's so interesting, though. I had no idea. This is really neat. I kind of want to download them. Yeah, they're cool looking, right? I always think it's, it's going to be really fun too. But some of man. it's like woodblock prints. Some of it are old line art ads. Yeah, it's these cool are neat. Stuff. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was supposed to be like meditative and stuff to color. Classy. The classy adult coloring books, not just so the regular classy. kind. Yeah. Not that, uh, that, not that unclassy stuff. Yeah, not like the the people of Walmart coloring book. That was not nice, Mom. Was yeah. Just, Who it, was did real, that? it was real judgy, Mom. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> now I'm like way down the rabbit hole looking at these. They are amazing. Yeah. Who can this color is, this? I don't know. How much time That's, do you have? Like you have to be good at this stuff. Yeah. And you have to keep your Crayolas sharp. No, these are a colored pencil thing. Oh, no, got no crayons. Right. No, you're yeah, right. No, I, no what crayons. am I even talking about? Crayola? Yep. I, I'm obviously not in the scene. Like I just they outed even, myself. Yeah. They even package them with like fancy. Uh-huh. Because apparently fancy coloring pencils are a thing. Yeah, There's like some brand that comes in a metal definitely tube. definitely true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm like, I love how everything is basically just a waterfall that leads to like so many more things. Yeah. Um, I believe that my next thing is of questionable taste in some ways. <laughs> mm, and yet, okay. and yet it is everywhere. And I've noticed it every, a couple of my things lately, I will confess, have come from the fact that I've been like house hunting. And so I've been looking at a lot of staged homes, uh-huh. which is where you start to notice things like the, um, the animal print carpets and rugs uh-huh. being like everywhere. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. a thing that I'm s- just starting to see everywhere as a kid's room decor is the indoor play teepee. Yeah. So a lot of people no, are uh-huh. going to question the wisdom of using the word teepee uh, for something that is not actually honoring the native American tradition. Uh, yeah. Perhaps that's just, what I meant. We can avoid that and call it a questionable tent. taste. If we just call well, no, it a no, tent, no. We could, but that's not what they are. And that's what I find so fascinating about this. I mean, like, listen, I just got this like sunset catalog, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sundance, sorry, Sundance catalog in the mail. And I was like, wow, Native American appropriation is apparently no longer a problem because (laughs) this is a lot of white ladies and a lot of turquoise. But no, no, no. Like you when you look when you search this up online and when you see the photos of what I am talking about, there are indoor tents for children. Play tents. That is a thing. That's been Uh a thing for a long time. Kids love it. But then there's the triangular one. These are teepees. They are called play teepees. Kid play teepee. Kids play teepee. Kids children's play teepee with carrying bag. And that's partly why I find it so fascinating. Like it's definitely a thing and everybody's doing it and they're staging kids rooms with the and there's outdoor ones. And they are literally like triangular tents with sticks coming out the top. Yeah. And they're all called teepees. There's nothing wrong with having a triangular tent with sticks coming out the top using that form factor (laughs) and saying like hey i've set this up for my child so you know that with that i will 100 percent back you up that i have been inside of one of these playing with my niece within the past two weeks like yeah and and saw a picture of someone else's child where they had one set up like the american living room is populated with these if you have a child i'm, I'm very curious if uh, our producer rich Straffolino, who has two young children also mm-hmm. has one of these in his room i mean the indoor tent thing like just to be fair the indoor tent thing is the 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 genesis of this thing yeah but I don't definitely exactly... the triangular one with the three st- yeah for sure that's the new that's the new hotness i mean it's okay they're called teepees i know like it's okay. It's okay I'm, to call them that. What I, I do know. think is That's weird. That's why I'm just like of trying to avoid the issue. <laughs> I know. I and I'm. I. I mean. I guess that's sort of the questionable taste part of it. Like, without a doubt, it is some big time appropriation. They're really cute, and yeah, I guess they. I, don't think I guess they people think that they are, look cuter. Are a problem. Yeah. No, and I um, didn't even mean to bring it up as though it is a problem. I just think it's very interesting that it's yeah, like. Yeah. No, it is. It is interesting that it's also there everywhere. does not seem to be any issue calling them teepees and maybe nobody cares i don't know 
It would got, seem got, odd in our modern world that no one would care. But well, yes, that is the that is the plight of the Native American in America. I will say I do take a little bit of issue with the one on Wayfair listed as the Ejoy Indian Play TP. That is astonishing. Mm. Um, astonishing. But anyway, like they're really. I don't know. They're everywhere. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm not exactly 1 million percent sure yeah. how to feel about it. The clubhouse play tent with carrying bag is not called a cabin, but it's totally a log cabin. It's cabin shaped. Would it be worse if it was? Could I mean, it be called I'm, a I'm just frame? saying like, yeah, why I don't are they even know not, what to do Why here? do they have a euphemism for the freaking log cabin? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't yep. think there's anything wrong with that. Unless you're trying to worry about log heaven republicans or something but that I don't seems think a stretch so, right like yeah. who's mad <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know but they really anyway i, I don't know i'm down the rabbit hole and i want to back out yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my whole point of saying look let, let's get beyond that is is this is this is a trend and it's a the trend itself is fun <laughs> like kids love this stuff yeah i know i mean get them an indoor tent they're super adorable yeah or get them a like a children's play teepee, like, but I don't know, but I don't really know. I don't know what to do here. Call it what you want. They look really cute. Yeah. That's all. And you're going to see them a lot. When it's just, just like, take a little spin ski through Redfin. Our, uh, and you our will see that I am right. Was to enter, uh, and, and then you, you were instructed by my niece that you must then, uh, use the Velcro to close it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had to become a monster. Uh, and then she would come up and knock and say, can I come in? And you'd grunt and then you open the, then she would open the Velcro (laughs) and the monster would jump out. (laughs) Cute. Yeah. Cute. That was, that's the proper usage of this indoor tent. Of the the children's indoor play tent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which are everywhere. Yeah. And hella cute. Definitely everywhere. All right. right. uh, Let's move on to Jeff in Kansas City on the booze. Uh, I'm not applying Jeff is drunk. Uh, he's talking about the booze. Uh, although I have a friend named Jeff that I used to go drinking with who now lives in Kansas City. I don't know if this is him. Anyway, uh, oh, really? Jeff says, hey, guys, big fan. Wasn't aware of original incarnation, but I've been listening since the beginning of the relaunch. As a step parent of a high school sophomore, I'm another in the legions that like to surprise them by knowing things. This week, Tom mentioned non-tequila agave spirits from India, and I've been meaning to send you a note flagging a nascent thing locally distilled spirits that are outside the whiskey vodka gin norm so right along with that i don't know if you mentioned the trend towards locally distilled spirits or if it's as common elsewhere as it seems to be here in kansas city but the offshoot is that a kansas city distiller of american agave spirits exists oh my god the way i understand it is he imports the agave pulp and distills it Check out their origin story for their Mean Mule brand name. (laughs) Whatever regulatory body that classifies different spirits for competitions, etc. has very recently identified it as a category. Previously, it just fell into the other bucket. I believe there are others entering that category, but get the impression many of them are larger distillers creating boutique brands. Side note, I learned from listening to a local foodie podcast when they talked to the Mean Mule owner that if you look at a Jose Cuervo bottle, it says made with tequila. No way. Oh, Jose Cuervo, you were a friend of mine. You devil. We are learning so much. I also, I love that just basically alternative booze yeah. is now a subcategory of it's a thing. <laughs> it really is. We've just like that. we've tried all the other booze and now we'd like to move on. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh no, it's amazing. the new segment. 
Okay. Also, I have, I am so glad about this next email because I have been meaning to bring this up for months. Brian uh, writes in and says, back in October, you talked about PJ Masks, another mm-hmm. kid show that is definitely a thing is Peppa Pig. Ah. He says, my two-year-old is obsessed with Peppa Pig, and there are even stories of American children speaking in British accents because of this show, which Blimey. is funny, and he sent a link about that. But I have been meaning to bring it up because Peppa Pig is not only a thing with the children, but it's a total meme. Peppa Pig I don't know is? How it, yeah, like Peppa Pig is a meme. And like it's a everywhere. meme amongst kids or just like a meme meme? Like No, just... like a meme meme. Like a regular old meme. Wow. Meme-rama ding-dong. Memes usually come from the people who know the thing aging into the meme population. So that's 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 a sign right there. That's exactly what happened, too, I think, yeah. because that's my kid, right? Uh-huh. Like He's 12 now, and he yep. was a Peppa Pig pan. Pig, pig, pig pan. <laughs> pig pan. Pig fast. pan. Uh, yeah, the most recent Know Your Meme on Peppa Pig was updated uh, seven months ago. And it's just, and it, that it's, you've totally nailed it. That's exactly how it happened. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that Charlie dude on the big green egg says, I'm so sorry. Y'all didn't know about the big green egg. <laughs> there is no need to be sorry. Uh, we are not about thing shaming here, so it's totally cool. Uh, but Charlie dude goes on to say they are awesome, if very expensive, and they have a whole community around them. I first heard about the egg from a friend in Atlanta in 2006 or 2007. I've seen them around Texas at barbecue cookoffs, and I've had neighbors who have owned them. Since I knew about something, I just assumed everybody knew about it. That's- I know. That's how that's the hard thing with thing spotting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I think the green big egg is one of those trends that has been slowly growing in popularity. And I imagine those types of trends are harder to notice than the flash in the pan ones like fidget spinners. What happened to fidget spinners anyway? Says that Charlie <laughs> did. <laughs> I found one the other day in my house and it really uh, made me laugh. Yep. I remember when fidget spinners were hot going, this is definitely one of those things we're going to look back on and go, wow, that was very of its year. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is not going to last. Um, um, I do wonder if the big green egg has just like made it out of traditional barbecue land, a.k.a. the South, yeah. and is yeah, finally yeah. like <laughs> getting to California. And then Kyle commented on the blog about a word thing that I'm frankly embarrassed. I didn't even notice because I have been doing this. I have a new thing, says Kyle. It's been around a while, but it's now really getting out of hand. The word existential. There is hardly a newscast, podcast, or general commentary that this word isn't thrown around in. I guess people think it makes them look smart. In most cases, it appears they don't even know the definition of the word. Get off my lawn. That's all for now. And also, that is so Wait, Kyle, who are you talking about when you say podcasts? Do I need to be offended? guarantee that I have said it on this show like a million times. And and it is. It's just this sort of like throwaway adjective now. Like, oh, the existential realness of my anxiety right now. I mean, it just is like <laughs> it is a it is a thing. Tacular vocabulary thing. Like, Kyle, you should get like a nailed it award. Kyle, hell is other people. Oh, buddy. There is no exit. I am just feeling the and existential I weight of your observation. Do know right now. the definition of the word, okay? <laughs> God. Black Shada in the Discord says, I guess we millennials are sort of having a constant existential crisis. I actually think a big reason that it's become part of the parlance is because we keep talking about it in relation to climate. Oh, right. As an, an existential, existential threat. threat. A threat to existence. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but now well, it's like everywhere. There's... A couple of things here. Uh, first of all, existentialism is something that 
I did read a lot of when I got my philosophy minor. So I, I took exception <laughs> to this quite, quite directly that in a way that I know Kyle didn't mean. Uh, second of all, it is a living language, right? And as annoying as it can be sometimes when people start drifting the meaning of a word, that's how it happens. What you just said, where people use it properly and in regard to the environment. And then people start to adapt that and like, oh, it's an ex existential threat to the world. Well, you're uh, breaking up with me as an existential threat to my happiness. And then the beat goes on as you start transferring it and using it for other stuff. <laughs> You're so I'm mad at Kyle off. right now. You're pit. You're mad no, at I'm Kyle. No, I'm not. I'm not mad just, at Kyle. He said, mad. "Get off my lawn." That made it all better. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but however, just as a pure like awareness of constant usage thing, Kyle has nailed it because it's yep, everywhere. Absolutely, everywhere. Absolutely. Time to right. revel in the genius that is producer Rich for a moment, <sighs> and the this generosity of our patrons. The shout-outs this week are Casablanca, my favorite movie ever, based. I mean, oh my God. Begin. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, Gabriel Cohen walks into mine. Here's looking at you, Jake Woods. Louis St. Amour, I think this is the beginning <laughs> of a beautiful friendship. Last night we said a great many things. You said <laughs> I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then, and it all adds up to one thing. Mike Akins. <laughs> Louie in the Louie quote and things in the last one. Genius. I mean, pr bravo, producer Rich. Slow clap to you, my friend. Slow clap to you. Mm -hmm. And slow clap to those of us, to those of you who are actually in the shout out tier, which means that you support us on Patreon at the shout out level, which is amazing. We're so grateful to you and to everybody who supports the show and we hope that uh, access to the Discord and the ad-free RSS and the genius shout-outs make it all worthwhile. Patreon.com slash It's a Thing is where you can can join the fun. And keep those emails coming. Feedback at It's a Thing.me. Send them, send them. Talk to you next week. Bye! Bye! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.